Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back to Calling All Beings Party People. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, on a Sunday afternoon for our first ever timed roundtable. Ain't going to be no Danny Sheen filibustering up in here. Know what I'm saying, Andy? Not going to happen. All right. No so, idea what you mean. So we had no, I'm not, not that that ever happened. So we have an esteemed panel, and no, they're not broccoli. They are my friends and some of your luminaries. Unfortunately, we lost uh, Dan Z today. The signal um, a, friend, a friend called out to Dan and asked him that he actually needed Dan's help in terms of transportation, he or she. And if it were I, I would do the same thing. I'd say peace out on the podcast today and I'd go help my friend. So I got love and respect for Dan Z and we'll get him on another time. But let us introduce our our uh, our formerly uh, mentioned esteemed panel coming to us from the United Kingdom by way of Scotland. Party people, put your hands together <laughs> for Andy chilling with McGrillin. <laughs> oh, are you? He's I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. 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 Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Hi, hi everyone. You okay? Good to good to be here. Good to be back, DJ. Well, first time on this one, but second time with you on air, isn't it? So oh, all no, good. it's probably the third, but that's okay. That third? You oh, forgot. my God. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Third. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, he's the host of That UFO Podcast. Uh, they are now on KGRA. I just want to add a little bit of some of that for that uh, because you guys are going to be able to hear him across the U.S. Next is my man. He's an engineer. He's a proud Tennessean. He's a brilliant mind in the UFO community. The fifth pillar of emphasis on, on uh, TikTok, actually. Are you on YouTube as well? Yeah, I have a YouTube channel uh, where I post some longer videos as well, yeah. Yes, I just got to have lunch with this man and go hang out at the Air Force Pace. Party people, put your hands together for at, hey, look over there, Dan Warren! Woo! Thanks for having me, DJ. Get a, get a, amen. Amen. Hey, I just want to say that you're better looking on screen than in person. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to have it in th this conversation in this way. <laughs> All right, I'll recover. Uh, this man right here, my fellow New York brother, who has never seen a squat rack that he didn't like. Okay, mm -mm. he is the host of. He's actually went to Cleveland and worked out with Louis. What's his name? Wait, in Cleveland. Cleveland? No, it's in uh, in in Ohio, right? Oh, oh, no, 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 no! I trained with somebody who used to train there at, at that, Westside okay. Barbell. Westside Barbell, nice, yeah. Together for New York's own engaging the phenomenon, and he actually has a new podcast. He's going to tell us about today. Party people, put your hands together for New York's own <laughs> James Ian Dolly, my paisan. Yes. Woo! Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the show. To well, I, I, coming coming from an Italian, it should be Yandoli, but Yandoli. it's all right. Okay. No, not no, uh, no, oh no. <laughs> okay, not, Andy, Andy knows. Andy knows what that's about. Hold on, hold yeah. On. 
<laughs> All right. So we're good now. <laughs> All right, James. Ian Doley. Um, I dig it, man. Uh, so anyway, Nathan, uh, we're here for a round table. It's going to be time, question, and answers. Any member of the panel can yield their time to uh, someone else. Uh, and we're going to do this. Uh, we'll go alphabetically counterclockwise because we are counterculture. Not for mm. long, though. Not for go. long. Uh, we're about to join the mainstream. So get get ready for it. Uh, so let's start off with uh, Andy, please. And uh, Nathan, anything that you have to add? Oh, wait a minute. Hold up. Not going anywhere. I want everybody, please, <laughs> to recognize my brilliant co-host because he is part of the show. Uh, I, I met him because of Andy, because uh, he called into an episode I had uh, Andy on with. Um, he's responsible for a lot of all the technology you see on this show. Nathan has put together. He's brilliant. He's everything that I'm not. He is at a wave soul party. People put your hands together for Nathan. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's brilliant. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, thank you guys for being on the show. Uh, beyond thrilled to have y'all with us today um, and excited to hear kind of what you have to say. So we're going to do this roundtable style. Uh, Andy, you're going to kick us off. Uh, tell folks a little bit about you, your show, and kind of what, what you're up to. And and then uh, and then Dan will do the same with you. Once we get back around, then Andy will take the first topic, and we'll go from there. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, so my name is Andy McGrillen. I host That UFO Podcast started it back in May 2020 and and here we are almost 18 months later it's been a it's going all right got to meet a lot of cool people like yourselves and and converse with a lot of cool people online and via email and from all around the world and uh, it's kind of gone from from strength to strength for whatever reason uh, people seem to like it so I mean some people hate it but I like hearing from them as well um <laughs> nobody and, hates it oh, oh no they do I can show you the emails um <laughs> but you know uh, it's fine it's uh, just adding something else hopefully to this topic for some people and and we have discussion and news updates and it just kind of has and still evolves a bit organically you know some stuff works some stuff doesn't and uh Obviously, recently we've we've joined over onto KGRA as well. Um, mm -hmm. I have to Huge. say that slowly in my accent, otherwise it's KGRA, um, <laughs> <laughs> which no one knows what I'm saying. So yeah, uh, it's, it's been it's been a, a kind of wild eighteen months, but which all resulted in yesterday me uh, attending and actually speaking at my first UFO conference uh, in Preston, uh, helping some folk out kind of last minute. But that was good. That was fun. Uh, look forward to a little bit more of that in the future in, in some way shape or form so yeah good to be here good to good to chat awesome. um can, can you just tell what is important what do you hope to accomplish that's the that's one thing i want to get from every panels here mm. what do you hope to con accomplish what's your mission in the community just to prove there's no such thing as alien life um and just move on from there do you know what it, it's 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 to contribute and the way i set up the show wasn't like if ttsa is a success then brilliant i can stop it it's it's just whatever happens in terms of the conversation that as much as anything it helps me kind of keep up to date and understand what's going on uh, and dip into different aspects of the conversation allow allow me to to form my opinion as i go along and if other people listening as I do that, get something from that and it helps them out too, then then all the better. So it's one of those things I've, I've always said, and I'll maybe one day get it on a business card, but if 20 people listen to the podcast, I'd be happy. And uh, it's it's more than that now. So yeah, so awesome. I've took up enough time. Someone else. Dan. Dan, Dan, <laughs> my brother, What uh, tell us about you. 
uh, yourself and what you uh, hope to accomplish in the topic or, or what you want to bring to the topic? Well, I don't have any, any calling card for being qualified to be a voice in the UFO community. I've never seen anything, never you done do anything. Too. I've just, I've been obsessed with it since childhood and that was a long time ago. So I've, I've learned a lot over the, the decades and that's what has got me to the point where I'm at, where now I've turned around and started looking at the next generation that's coming. And there's a steep learning cur curve associated with the UFO topic. And we are the UFO community is the master of long format discussions. So I saw a niche where I would like to be I would like to contribute to people getting introduced to the topic in short because we have more short attention spans in the community now than ever before. I'm trying to address those people. I'm trying to reach out. And uh, it was on um, I can't remember if it was Andy's or Luis's podcast with Lou where he said get your ass off the couch and get involved and once he said that I said all right well I've got to do something what can how can I contribute and I'm able to my my success at work is based on my ability to communicate complex topics in a simple manner mm -hmm. so that's what I try to do I try to use TikTok as a way to simplify the topic into short snippets packed full of information as well as references to the longer format information that's available to them so that they can, if they choose to go and investigate themselves, because I think investigating yourself is going to be the way to get people introduced to this topic and keep them. If we just tell them and try to force it down their throat, they're, they're not going to stay. They're not going to become invested in the topic. Like we need them to be. So I'm trying to just be a bridge from no information to some information just to plant that seed. And I found TikTok and all the tools are there to be able to start a channel. And you don't have to, you don't have to know a bunch of different software programs. So that's why I chose that. And it's also a void. There's not a lot of people in the UFO community on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And the outreach associated with the algorithm for TikTok is incredible. I've got a video that's got almost 800,000 views. And so wow. that's just, uh, that's a lot of exposure to, for the topic. And so, so that's my goal is try to try to help people not have to jump in the deep end of the pool. Like we all are already treading water in, but let them ease into the, the small shallow parts of the, the wave pool before they get into the deep end. Nice. James Iandoli, my brother, engaging the phenomenon and your new podcast, which is called meta meta perspective meta perspective please uh tell us about why uh you yourself and why that what you want to bring to the community what you hope to bring to the community yeah well so i'm james i have um the uh -oh, we're breaking oh, up james james consciousness there we go yeah James, I can't hear you, mate. You may have to come out and go back in, please. Yeah, we can't hear. We can't hear yeah, James. We'll bring him back. We'll bring him back. I'll, Nathan, I'll, would you I'll take it while he's while he's coming back to us. So yeah, I'm Nathan. As DJ mentioned, uh, I got uh, connected with him uh, through Andy and Andy's show. So huge shout out to that that show. Uh, gracious enough for me to, uh, to to make room for me to come and, and have a chat with, uh, with with both you, Andy, and with DJ. 
um, I have not had an experience. I'm not an experiencer. I grew up uh, in a kind of a religious, uh, a religious background, um, and uh, went to uh, school for for religious studies and theology. Uh, and, and this was a Christian sort of theology and that kind of thing. Uh, ended up not really going down that path uh, and just got a regular career like everybody else. Um, have always had an interest in in sci-fi though, and and uh, and in this topic in particular. Uh, and I don't think that we're alone. I think that, you know, the universe has to be full of something. Um, but it's interesting for me. So it's sort of taking these kind of concepts that uh, were very much a part of uh, a religious upbringing and a religious way of looking at the world and the universe, but also then taking that to this topic. Uh, and I think there's some uh, certainly a lot of parallels there. My hope is that we can have this conversation with more and more people, uh, not just people that uh you know, are naturally sort of in, in the topic because they've had an experience, but people who are in all walks of life. I want us to be able to have this conversation uh, and talk to folks who have specialties in all kinds of different areas and say, hey, uh, you know, you're a specialist in this. You know, how would how would the revelation that we're not alone impact what you do? You know, how would it impact what you do within the within the world that we live in? Um, I think we've got to start having that conversation outside of the outside of the tight circles that, that we're in right now. That's why I'm here. James Iandoli, my man from New York, or excuse me, Ian Doley, so I don't get slung with a piece of I think of you were right stuff. the first time, right? It's yeah, Iandoli. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's actually, it, it's Iandoli or Yandoli. Or Iandoli, I don't care. I, all right. It's all good with me. Go for it, brother. All right, I'm James. I have both the YouTube channels and podcast Engaging the Phenomenon, which is uh, mostly UFOs and, and CE5 and consciousness. And then I have a new uh, YouTube and podcast called Meta Perspective, um, which if people are familiar with the term going meta, uh, it's definitely, you know, into subjects like consciousness, but also awakening, mindfulness, meditation, uh, philosophy, and, and those kind of um, broader uh, subjects. And, um, you know, I got involved, um, you know, I, I, I I had actually been in the field for quite a while, more so behind the scenes. Um, and since like maybe 2009, 2010, I'm um, actually engaging with researchers and, and, you know, building uh, social media groups on like Facebook and talking with experiencers and, and UFO researchers. And uh, I'm somebody who has had experiences. And um, so regarding that, you know, I feel in my own kind of mind that i know um the ufo reality to be a matter of fact mm. and and with that uh, comes like a sense of obligation that um you know if, if i know something for sure that i think is a is a genuine reality unquestionably um i feel somewhat obligated to to share about that reality um and you know and was never focused so much on my experiences more than the actual work itself and, um, you know, because of my experiences, I found CE5, um, which is highly controversial, and it, it's gone under many different names over millennia. Modern iteration of it. And, uh, you know, regardless of all the taboo, I think Dr. Stephen Greer has done a, a great job of getting, you know, the word out. And, um, you know, despite all the hate that goes towards him, uh, you know, which in some cases he kind of brought on himself because he burns every bridge he touches. It's a specialty. Uh, if you go back and you, it's, it's true. Uh, if you go back and you look at valet, 
Jacques Vallée and Heineck, they're all saying the same thing. It's all mm. consciousness connected to the phenomenon. Uh, you know, and again, this is, there's, there's so much antidotal um, evidence, I guess, or observation to that. It's an empirical that is actually ridiculous at this point. Um, right. So, you know, I, for me, I saw CE5 as a way is like I can t sit here and tell you all day about my experience or or or, uh, you know, the witnesses that have come forward of, you know, uh, high high level military and and whatsoever. And that's great. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the people who are who who really want to know who are, you know, willing to go out of their way and and take in the initiative um, I saw CE5 as something as where, okay, like you don't have to listen to me. You can go out and you can do this yourself and find out mm -hmm. for yourself that this is a genuine, um, you know, reality. So, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from with engaging the phenomenon. Also, you know, on the podcast, I'm kind of piecing together, um, my perspective on the phenomenon and, and, you know, hoping people appreciate that. Um, and you know, also on, on the engage of the phenomenon podcast, I have people on where I'm questioning, um, those perspectives too. So it's, it's, a, it's a really cool way for me to have an excuse to speak to other awesome researchers and, um, and, and have that conversation out there for everybody. Yeah. It's awesome. We're super excited to see what you're going to do with that uh, new platform. Uh, and you know what you're going to say today. Uh, and so I guess on that front, um, we're going to kick it off here with Andy. So what I want to everybody just give a quick preview to, uh, we're going to, this is going to be tight. We're in a tight ship. You guys know DJ, he does not mess around. So we are running a tight ship here. We got, now we got time constraints. So we want to get it all done. So we've got a little timer we're going to run. Everyone's going to get a minute and a half uh, to introduce their topic. And then everybody gets a minute and a half to respond with their thoughts to the topic itself. So Andy's going to start with the first uh, segment, I suppose. And then Dan, we're going to go to you for your reaction, and and then James and then myself and DJ will also get a, a slot to react too. So I'm going to add our little clock here to the show, and oh, that's Andy. Pressure. Oh, I know, right? Do 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 do. No sound, so don't worry. But, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, pressure is just part of life, people. Go ahead, Andy. Uh, so uh, I want to bring up the fact that we won't get disclosure from the government, and that's disclosure with a capital D, but that's okay. We don't need it. We have a soft drip disclosure, but from here on in, it's a bit of a figure it out for yourselves. The government isn't one, a few, or even hundreds of people in the know. It's thousands, many of which never meet or know what the others do. There's probably been at least in the past, if not still, a small group who know what's going on when it comes to the phenomenon capital D disclosure, that, that'll force consequences, that'll force investigations, that'll force prosecutions. Those people who in the early days of crash retrievals, um, you know, going back to the late 40s, are long gone. Their successors merely carried on their work, rightly or wrongly. Personally, I'm okay with that moving forward, and I'm okay moving forward without the need for going back like that. Uh, People are newer to world governments and in positions of power entertaining the subject. You know, your Warners, your Rubios uh, and other names that are coming out more and more. You're seeing now that there's funding for the subject and allowing serious scientists and great minds to uncover the secrets of what might be going on. The government will largely be finding out for the first time what's going on. With that, we get confirmation, slow discovery, Maybe the clear sighting of a craft, official release worldwide, but then what, maybe years pass before we see something else officially. 
Again, for me, that's okay. It's progress. As long as we keep moving forward, we don't need capital D disclosure. We just need to keep moving forward. Nice. All right, Dan, what you got for that? So there is, uh, I th- believe it was the African genocides that occurred where they gave people, uh, they forgive them, forgave them of their sins, basically, if they came forward and basically spilled their beans and confessed to what the crimes that they had done uh, and committed were so that they kind of put all the puzzle pieces together. That's some, that's an approach that I think would work with the U.S. government where we can say, hey, this is your opportunity to come clean, provide us the information that you've held on to and, and kept from the public uh, without any ramifications legally to your careers or anything along those lines. I think that's a, a healthy approach to take to try to get the information out, which it would be great to have because that's a lot of what um, I, I know we want to not have capital D disclosure from the government, but at some point I feel like a president is going to have to say it for it to be taken seriously across the board um, just as a formality, if nothing else. Mm. Um, I also don't want to have this be something that says, okay, we're going to get the information out. But we're not going to compensate those that have been negatively impacted career wise for the, the negative impacts that talking about this topic has had on their flight status, their, their uh, biological if effects that have occurred because of them exposing, being exposed to this phenomena. So that, that's my overarching part of it. We need to forgive, but not forget and help those recover that need to be need help to be recovering. Mm. All right, James. Uh, I think I'm next. Oh, okay. Go for it. <laughs> Yeah, no, Alphabet, you're right. Go. <laughs> okay, so, Andy, uh, I would say I think, you know, we have to look at this topic as uh, things are not this or that. Things can be this and that. So it's like a shade, like the background of that clock is gray. So we needed the government to uh, – they are a de facto authority on, okay, these are real. These these objects that were seen out over the Pacific Ocean and seen out over the Atlantic, those are authentic videos. That enabled us to start a whole new conversation. And I don't, I recognize fully in what you said. They've deceived us uh, since 1947. Their own statement after they said they were flying saucers came out and said, oh, no, they're not. They're weather balloons. So they contradicted themselves within a span of, I don't know, what was it, 24 hours? Yeah. When, when General Ramey saw the uh, press release. Uh, and so we know that they've deceived us, but we still have to rely on the fact that if they release another video and say this is real, every single one of us is going to say, oh, OK, we've got video, we've got audio, we've got narratives, and therefore uh, this is a real event. And now we're going to dive into it and, and attack it like a, a hyena on a downed water buffalo, <laughs> um, as we should. But unfortunately, they do have a de facto authority even though they have deceived us um, willingly and for a long period of time. Nice. All right, James. Yeah. Um, so I, I basically agree with uh, what Andy is saying. Um, you know, you know, first of all, the government is, you know, if we're going to talk about the U S government or whatever world power is not a monolith. Uh, it seems fractured, um, and we, we can see that politically. Now, imagine with this topic um, spanning decades, you know, how fractured or broken that system is 
from the inside. Um, and this topic only exploits that and, and, and really demonstrates that. But I, I, I think um, to some extent, you know, we're not, we're not really going to get disclosure from uh, these world powers um, or even say just, you know, and the, uh, the U S government, right. I don't think they're going to come out and say, Hey, um, you know, they're not going to tell us what we want to hear. Uh, I'm not even completely sure that they know, even if they had uh, recovered crafts with, uh, you know, entities, you know, who's to say they know where those are from technically. Um, but you know, you have people, um, you know, demonstrating that it's not a monolith in, in a sense. You have people like um, Lou Elizondo and David Fravor and Alex Dietrich who, you know, are in a sense, they're not really part of the government, but they're part of a, a small group that's already like making penance and coming clean, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that uh, to a certain degree, you're, you're right, Andy. I think that um, one of the challenges here, though, too, is that uh, we're now at an age where state power is less effective on sort of narrative control than it used to be. And so I think that that's one of the big challenges that the United States is going to have in walking this subject out is that we're, we're living in a day where information distribution and uh, quote unquote, the truth is much less hard. Uh, it's much, much harder to control. And so even if the U.S. were to, I think, try to wrangle this subject and, you know, say this is what we know. Um, we're already in a time where nobody believes, you know, we, we're so factional. Nobody really believes what the United States is is telling the public. There's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of distrust there. And so earning that trust back is going to be very, very difficult. And imagine them trying to roll this subject out and then looking at the history of it. I mean, talk about an erosion of trust right there. Um, the credibility of the government uh, is completely eroded. So and to some degree, I think, you know, your point is uh, is incredibly pertinent because the, the truth in a way has to come from the ground up rather than from the top down. And so but but what does that look like? And, and if we all don't have access to some of the core facts, if we're not working off of some similar facts, how do we really arrive at a at a, at a valid conclusion? Uh, all right. So first round is done. Uh, first, that means <laughs> great job, everybody. Uh, the mystery I see somebody. May... I see somebody backstage. Should we? <laughs> should we bring this in. person on? All right. Here we go. Well, let me drop this off, and then we'll bring them on. Yeah. Hello. Yo. <laughs> What's up? Party people, put your What's hands up, guys? Tyler. Luis Jimenez. The Woo. UCR. Woo. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yes. it. <laughs> and I get Come on, Luis. Yo. What's up, James? Oh, trying to give you a high up. five oh, over the screen. To, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Other way. Other way. Square situation. Boom. <laughs> Excellent. What's going on, gentlemen? Yo, yo. Good to have you with us. Yeah, all man. good. All good. Pleasure to meet you, Nathan. Yeah. Likewise, man. Yeah. All right, so am I here to throw in the uh, the yeah. bomb? Yes, I'm, I just wanna I just wanna put out to everybody that you're here uh, because we're so excited that you could make it since I screwed up the time. None, none of us knew you were coming here, so this is a total surprise to everyone. So Even Nathan did not know. Yeah, I had no oh, idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. No. Yeah. Uh, well, you kept it a good secret. Yeah, I I just saw. I was like, 
ah, let me just check my messages. And I was like, okay, cool. He needs me right now. Let's do this. <laughs> Two representatives from KGRA in the house, baby. Yeah. Fight. 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 Finish him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if we punch over, I'm just going to hit Dan or James. That's so. true. Yeah. 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 Down somehow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go for it, Louise. Um, okay. So I guess my I, I'm supposed to throw. Are they aware of the grenade, like the grenade topic? No, they don't know. They have no idea what you're going to do. I'm hoping that it will make everybody upset and start throwing snowballs at one another. Now, okay. Does Luis get the timer too, or he gets just to like, you know? Oh, uh, he no, gets the I... timer too. All okay. right. All right. Tough, tough luck. Um, so I was just going to throw in the topic of UFO tours. <laughs> what is oh, everybody's boy. thoughts on them? Has anybody ever done a UFO tour? Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it, dude. I don't need that much time. That was wow. the grenade wow. I was gonna throw in there. Okay. I was told to throw a topic that might be controversial, yes, and Man. that's the one ah. that came to mind only because we just had on Melinda Lensley, and yes. so she she had a uh, she has a UFO tour. We didn't even get to that part of the conversation with her. We actually have to have her back for I think maybe 14 more parts, but uh, <laughs> but she's uh, she's she, I mean, she's fascinating and I, I love talking to her. Um, but yeah, she's got a UFO tour in Sedona, California. And and uh, even when you yelp it, people are pretty satisfied with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So, yeah. OK. Yeah. Andy, you're up. This is actually red meat for Andy right now. We don't need, even need to put it on the grill. <laughs> I'll restart his timer. I already took five oh, seconds. All this. right. Please. All right. That's yeah. not good enough. Yeah. There we mm -hmm. go. Boom. Yeah. Cheers, Luis. Um, yeah. So the UFO tour stuff, uh, I mean, I, I know, James, this kind of goes back to some of the, the Stephen Greer. And I know people like Melinda aren't necessarily charging two or $3,000 per, per tour as such, but... The idea behind these tours, if it's the same kind of stuff Luis is talking about, is that people are paying to go around and hear some historical, you know, stories of what may or may not have happened in different areas and get a sense of a, you know, a particular monument or, you know, Betty and Barney Hills area, stuff like that. But there, there's probably some kind of expectation they're going to see something uh, on these tours. And I'm always wary if that comes into it. Um, and again, that, that goes to if you're looking at the extreme of a Stephen Greer's $3,000 guarantees you an ET experience when it's mm. not as the picture of the back of someone's chair. But, you know, as opposed to if like Melinda's tours and, and other tours, someone just got in touch with me, actually, who's looking to run one in Glasgow, Scotland. Mm. And that's that's great. And there'll be some history and culture within that as well, but not the expectation they're going to see something. And I would hate to think on these things that it's deliberately set up, you know, pilots will fly out and drop flares or someone's got their, their little brother kicking about with a drone behind a bush um, oh. at, at, at a height, that would be disappointing, but um, I, I've, got, I've got no issue with UFO tours, I think they're cool, and as long as it gets the history out there and I think it's something that people might go along to with a friend who don't have an interest in the subject, that leave with an interest Nice Dude, I Boom. love it Dan? All right. I, I've actually been on a haunted uh, Asheville tour before, and no I thought it was going to be <laughs> about ghosts and things like that, but it was about history. So mm -hmm, to me, mm -hmm. that was the best part of it, because that's mm -hmm. a, a side of the story of a town's history that you're not going to know about unless you go on something that's very specific like that. So if they if it's a, if a UFO tour gives you some background information of a high strangeness area, um, I, 
I mean, of course, if we went to Skinwalker Ranch, they'd be all lots of people would go to that. Uh, the Marfa lights or something that come to mind, like that would be a really cool tour to go to and maybe see something if, if it could happen. But as long as they're putting out information that is historically accurate and like, like we're saying, don't promise people that you're going to see something. No one told me I was going to see a ghost. They told me I was going to learn about it. So that that's, mm -hmm. that's the uh, mindset I had going into it. So my expectations were met when I went on these things. And it is a great opportunity to talk to other people that have similar interests, get to meet them, get to expose your friends to it. I'll take my kids to a ghost tour, spook them out a little bit. That's fun. It's always fun when your kids grab your leg real hard when they're nervous. <laughs> right. um, but it's just an enjoyable time to, to spend with people that you hang out with. So I, I'm all for it unless it's flares from planes and then it's I'm out. <laughs> awesome. DJ. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm in violent agreement with the previous two speakers. Um, I, I think that they're okay as long as you don't uh, overpromise and under-deliver. Under I think it should be the inverse of that. Um, and if it does bring people to the topic, I think it's okay. Um, it's, it's a little bit kooky because you would think if you're going to bring somebody on a UFO tour, they're kind of going to think that, hey, we might see something. Uh, but in that case, I'm going to uh, yield the balance of my time to James. Yeah, sure. I can I can do the entire rest of the show on this topic. Honestly. <laughs> um, we won't let you. This yield. <laughs> well, look, you have to look at it like this. Um, you know, first of all, I'm personally I'm not a fan of um, charging any kind of money for disclosing and, and kind of you know, showing people a, a, a fundamental reality. Uh, I'm kind of uh, biased on that. And I understand that, you know, people's uh, time and efforts should be compensated. Um, so that's why I think in say Dr. Stephen Greer's case, you know, where the, the prices are outrageous, it hurts the, the movement. And, um, you know, if it, a lot, you know, if it's a lesser price, I guess it's not as big a deal. It's, you know, you're compensating people's time and effort. Uh, but again, the, the price say that Dr. Stephen Greer charges, um, is absolutely ridiculous. It's just, you know, over the top and, and people have to understand where this is coming from. So when, uh, first of all, Dr. Stephen Greer is not the first person to get people together, form groups and do contact, but the original, purpose of those contact you know they were not ufo tours they were ce5 initiative mm. uh citizens ambassador contact training so the whole purpose of those events was to get people together teach them how to do ce5 field work to mobilize them so that they can go out and form their own groups and do this work in their areas and then become working group leaders or organizers for their area um but um, there were issues with that because um, Dr. Stephen Greer had a very tight leash on those groups and you can't use C. Seti's name and likeliness and, and all that. Um, but it started out actually for much cheaper prices with Stephen Greer and it was better for mobilizing contact groups. Now where, where the prices are so uh, extraordinary, it's not, it's not good it, for, um, you know, helping to mobilize uh, groups to go out and make contact so they can have their own disclosures 
and even in, in their own right become citizens uh, diplomats to UFO intelligence. Mm. Nice. Louise. I mean, I think uh, that. Oh, um, oh yeah, I'm sorry, Louise. Please jump in. Oh, everyone's so eloquent. Um, yeah, I. I like the idea of calling it maybe a Skywatch tour as opposed to a UFO tour. Like, yeah, you, you, verbiage is everything. I mean, who knows? Maybe you do see a UFO or you see a satellite or uh, it would be cool also if those tours were equipped with, say, someone looking at uh, sky tracking data or, mm. um, you know, whatever uh, other sorts of instruments um, like infrared or night vision. Um, and things like that that would be cool so people could switch between different spectrums of light they can they can look at the at the radar and say oh you know seek a satellite is still really exciting like when you see the mm -hmm. this the the you know the elon musk uh what what is that uh skylink skylink i was gonna mm -hmm. say link of satellites uh <laughs> uh it, it's awesome like it's cool to see and and to have stars and galaxies pointed out to you in a history given of what the known universe could possibly hold and beyond and, you know, giving people a different idea of how to think as opposed to <clears throat> we're going to, we're going to go out there. We're going to see UFOs. We're going to see aliens. We're going right. to see, uh, you know, other uh, non-human entities. And, um, and I think it's, there's a big, you know, and charging people, I can understand charging people for a tour like that, you know, like the first example that I gave you, uh, you know, the second example I, I would, you know, obviously, I'd be skeptical, uh, but I'd go check it out. Why not? You know, could be fun. Uh, worst case scenario, you're out underneath the stars uh, and getting a good night of fresh air. Um, best case scenario, maybe you do see a UAP. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's uh, so a UFO tour falls into a long tradition of and I think, Dan, you know, your your analogy to the ghost tours is a good one. But it falls into a very long tradition of uh, sort of human beings trying to have a connection with the, the, the mythology. You know, where if you look back and just take Christian history as a good example, you know, there are all kinds of, of uh, stories where people go to certain, you know, tiny little church sites or shrine sites, whatever, to try to see, you know, a piece of a saint, you know, the, the, the shirt that they wore or whatever. So th this has a long history. And I think human culture to try to connect with in a community way with other people connect with this thing that they have a strong belief in where I have a huge concern is in the predatory nature of the, of a tour. So if we are predating people, you know, where we're trying to get them to, to join this tour with the promise of, as you guys have said, seeing some sort of grand thing and then fleecing them uh, for a whole bunch of money. I think that is, you know, totally disingenuous and in the community it's our responsibility to call that out. You know, if, if we're going to have a community that is healthy, you know, where we uh, provide a safe space for people to have a conversation, we we have to call it when we see it and say, this is not OK. Uh, we can't allow the, those folks to continue doing it. And I, and I guess on that point, and I know we can't keep talking about it, but I am curious about we know there are people doing this right now. So what is our responsibility to kind of call those folks out on it? That is a, that's a great way to uh, finish it off. And I think we do have that responsibility, but uh, we also have a responsibility to press on with our next panelist topic. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so I think that's Dan, right? Uh, that is my man, Dan. Yes, Dan, take it away. All right. I'll, I'll 
tack on to that last one real quick and say first time people use night vision goggles it really grounds you to how immense the universe that you live in is mm. so that's another big plus to those things nice but instead of looking out sometimes we might need to look behind us uh, my question pertains to history it appears that the phenomenon has been interacting with humanity for a long time we currently focus on the U.S. government releasing videos as what as the gold standard for what we would want to see to get the general public and scientific community to accept the phenomena as fact. It's uh, but what could be undeniable physical proof that has already been discovered, uh, a, la, a la the uh, inclusion of the discover material part portion of H.R. forty three fifty. Um, what do you think has been discovered and stored away from the public knowledge, either intentionally or unintentionally, or it could have been, or it could have simply been misidentified as something prosaic that is in someone's vault somewhere that could shift public opinion on the phenomena? And where do you think this evidence could be located that's outside of the government? Oh. oh man, Andy stole my topic. Man, <laughs> or excuse me, Dan stole my topic. <laughs> well, ahead, Andy gets Andy. first to respond. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, good, good shout, Dan. Uh, what has been discovered and stored away? I mean, it, it seems pretty cut and dry that even Lou Elizondo himself has said that there is pieces or potentially an intact craft um, stored away. Craft from where and of whose? We, we don't necessarily know. Um, I think there's likelihood we've got crafts that have been dug up as part of archaeological digs, and that, I suppose, opens up... You know when you see... I used to love on Twitter, you and I don't know how true they are, but a picture of some device, and it's like, this is dated back almost 50,000 or 100,000 years, and the technology is so advanced, and the idea that, that there may have been advanced civilizations long before us, that whatever happened to them, they went away, and maybe those people got to a point they, they left the planet, and they, you know, they done what they done, maybe they went underground for whatever reason, uh, who knows, Antarctica's one as well, you know, what's under the ice, what's in the ice, what could be stuck there, that's something I've always wanted to try and talk about on the show as well, it's a little bit more out there, but I think it's interesting. Um, I think some of this stuff is stored away, obviously, for defence reasons, for technological superiority over other countries. Uh, but a large part, and going back to what I mentioned earlier about government not necessarily knowing a whole lot that we think they do, is it a case of they don't know what it is, so it's stored away to try and work out what it is? Because that would be a scary thing for any government to have to admit, to turn around as, as even the biggest government in the world, like the United States, and say, we have this, we don't really know what it does. Like having an iPhone and you can work out, it can make phone calls, but you know nothing else about it. Where is it? Lockheed Martin, Boeing, and those kind of places. Nice. DJ? Oh, okay. I, I thought, uh, okay, yeah, it was Dan's topic, so I'm up. Yeah. Uh, wait, can you reset the <laughs> Nope. <laughs> All right, I'm up. All right, so basically, you know, from my, from my point, you don't really need the premise. Uh, Andy's premise is basically plausible deniability. You really don't need plausible deniability for something that people were not looking for back then um and if there were let's say plausible i knew it was, was the reason up in front of congress they could just couch their questions in committee and say okay is there do, do we now have or were we ever in the possession of and there goes the plausible deniability second of all the way the government works is based on custodial responsibility. So we have some of Lockheed Martin's equipment. They have some of our equipment. It still remains our equipment, even though they've hand receded that equipment and they have custodial responsibility. The safest place on the planet is Area 51 because they have seven different 
layers of community of uh, security in the air. And if I wanted Bigelow Aerospace or Lockheed Martin and and my scientists to work there and they do work there to analyze that material, I bring the scientists to the material. I don't bring the material to a much less uh, insecure facility for them to look at it. That's how that works. We already have contractors working at those places and we could bring them, give them clearance and bring them in. But I, you don't put that stuff on a truck and put out in the middle of Las Vegas where anyone could drive up to the fence line. You keep it behind multiple layers of security. James. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're doing uh crash retrieval week, October 17th, October 24th. That's going to be mm-hmm. talking about crash retrievals and uh, you know, possible recovered UFO technology, which, I mean, I, I think is a topic that should be front and center. Um, you have people like, again, Lou Elizondo has, has made several references to this. Um, I don't think he's, he's putting it out there on a whim, speculatively, just kind of to entertain the idea. Uh, it, it seems to me to imply um, that he, he may have, uh, you know, awareness and official capacities that he was part of of such materials. Um, and then you have people like Dr. Davis, um, who's made some astounding statements. Uh, you know, we know the alleged um, Wilson Davis memo with a meeting they had with um, uh, Vice Admiral Tom Wilson talking about some of this. We don't know, obviously, if the information that was discussed is accurate. Um, but, you know, Dr. Davis has a much deeper involvement than I think most people realize before he was even in NIDS, he was working in classified programs for the air force. Um, and he, you know, he, he gave briefings to people in defense committees regarding crash retrievals, uh, you know, for the Senate intelligence committee. I, that, that speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. And Louise, uh, uh, let me just say as to where the materials are, I think there's a genuine, uh, part that is tied to underground facilities, you know, whether it be uh, the Utah Proving Grounds, whether it be Area 51, Dugway. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Dugway Proving Grounds, mm-hmm. you know, and or, um, you know, the stories of, of Neil McCasland talking to Tom DeLong about, you know, recovering alien life forms. And we can, and somebody feel free to yield your time back to James or. No, that's, that's, uh, I, I'm, oh, I just wanted to. You're right. more than welcome. I mean, that's, no, that's why good. I made those rules. I just Please. wanted to clarify. I'm, I'm hoping that somebody can come up with evidence outside of the U.S. government that mm-hmm. is accessible because we're never going to get into Area 51 to be able to go <laughs> well, around. That, so that's it's why, outside of the yeah. U.S. that I'm that's wondering why if there's any evidence. That's yeah. why that place is so amazing is because nobody today, nobody, not one person could we get on our shows that could tell you what's mm-hmm. inside, what, what flight programs are running there. Cause nobody knows. That's yeah. why you keep stuff there. Anyway, Luis, uh, uh, Luis. Luis, uh, Eric Davis, uh, <laughs> had a uh, prodigious career in baseball before getting into UFOs. Go ahead, please. Okay. Uh, I'll use my time to Andy. What do you got? No, no, I, Louise, I just want two seconds because the whole thing yeah. about Area 51, right? Now, everyone does know about Area 51. So, yeah, yeah, you can't... Well, uh, you're shaking your head, but that's a factual statement. Everyone knows about Area 51. What do we know? What, what programs you, you, I, are running there? You, you know it's a place. 
That that was That's my statement. It. Yeah. <laughs> so it. you can't you, you disagreed. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, everyone knows about Area 51. So if you're Russia or China and you can get spies involved, then you could potentially have you're, you're shaking your head, but you don't know. So I, I'm saying the fact is that why you wouldn't put it there, like you said, you definitely would, is yeah. that you don't know the people working in there are 100 percent necessarily trustworthy, just for the fact that one of them. Bob Lazar, if he did work there, is out talking about it now already. So if he could work there and get his story out, then why wouldn't there potentially be Russian, Chinese or some other government spies in there with the tech? Hence, you move it to a third-party subcontractor, which is a lot less well-known and can also be a lot, I'm sure, uh, more bendy with the rules as opposed to what they do with people who, who do infiltrate these places. I don't want to go full James Bond here, but it's just an idea. Anyone want to yield their time to me? Got, <laughs> sure, I've go for it. Answers. Yeah, you can uh, have my time. It's fine. Uh, okay, so Andy, the thing is, is if you if you understand what is what involves a TSSCI background and how they go through that, it's uh, it's extremely difficult if if the person wasn't at least born here. Um, so you understand how far they go back in your background and trace back everybody that you ever knew from when the time you could walk until now. I mean, I've been through that, so I know people that they talked to when they did a TSSCI on me twice. So, so there's that. Second of all, again, you don't need to bring the material to a facility. Once you get, if they were to sign over uh, ownership of that material to Lockheed Martin, then now the CEO of Lockheed Martin is in possession of that material. And that material is in a facility that is a hundred times less by any measure than area 51. There's nobody that you could bring on your show or anybody here could bring on a show that can tell you what flight programs are running right now or FY19 or FY20 at Area 51. This is why you put something there. You bring the scientists that are already – Lockheed Martin's already working there. So there's no need to bring the material to Lockheed Martin when you could bring Lockheed Martin to the material or any contractor for that matter. That's all I have to say. I mean, yeah, it, and I'll it, take the it, last it, few seconds. Just that, please. and I, I, I generally, I know DJ, you know, have we've had a debate on this too. But my only thing I would add to that is, if there's material that lands some far place, like place far away from Area 51, I don't think they're going to truck it across, you know, the country to Area 51. Though, there, there are probably multiple places to store this stuff. That would be my suspicion. There are actually there are, yeah. but they're not in. They're they're dug away somewhere. They're uh, and and by the way, this happened in the 40s and 50s. This is not stuff that's moving around today. Yeah. On on uh, Mayflower Trucking Company. Well, can I just add real quick that I think this <clears throat> I, there's two things with this idea of crash retrievals. I think just to answer Dan's question really quick. Yes, I think we have materials. I don't think we have a whole craft. Um, only because there are archaeological digs happening all over the world right now. <sighs> One of them hasn't stumbled across one of these things or a piece of these things or, or something that that would really, really stick out from anything else ever on an archaeological dig. It's a sexy thought that's we just found one of these things buried in the ice or mm -hmm. or in the Grand Canyon or something. But I just oh man, it's hard for me to believe it, obviously, without seeing it. But it's it would be difficult to cover up. I think I don't I, I, no matter what the base, I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. um but but yeah that's i mean that's why i just want to say that real quick on the material yeah well it yeah. could be at the bottom of the I, baltic sea none of us know yeah. none of us yeah. know if they, well you if know they have there's, anything 
Yeah. I mean, there's the story that, you know, they, they found some kind of craft in South America and the U.S. just went over there and took it, basically. Yeah. And, and who, who are they to come out and say, oh, the U.S. came and retrieved some kind of um, debris or whatever it be? Uh, you know, I think that people are there are other governments that are probably kind of like towing the line and probably afraid to speak out before the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, because they know how we operate, basically, uh, you know, frankly. Um, but also, you know, regarding to the top secret clearances, you know, we have to also consider people like Warner Von Braun. Um, and, you know, again, th- this is people are going to be highly skeptical. And that's I, I definitely can appreciate that in this sense. But you have people like Uri Geller saying that, you know, uh, Warner Ron Brown took him and he to, to see something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there yeah. were pictures of them together. And, you know, Uri is kind of, um, uh, you know, mesmerizing and he has all these stories. But uh, I think there may be something to that. Um, again, that's a whole nother topic other than just crash retrievals, right? We have po- potential UFO technology or debris, right? What about entities? Mm-hmm. If we have actual alien life forms, for lack of a better term, if we have actual entities, I mean, that that's a whole nother layer um, oh, than, sure. you know, some kind of um, even like we, a- alien tech James, drones. Yeah. yeah. James, you're up with your topic. So if you want to start your topic off with this, uh, and we're having another guest that's going to pop in in three minutes, but go ahead and, uh, and start off with this one. Um, whatever you want to. Yeah. I'll start your timer. Sure. I'll just, uh, I can, I'll just go on from where I was going. So yeah. Please. So crash, crash retrieval materials, um, that, you know, there's been some talk about, uh, you know, fully intact craft. Obviously that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, you know, obviously we can't take anything with a grain of salt. It could be disinformation, uh, as with Bob Lazar story can all purposely have been put there, for disinformation against Soviets or anybody else to make them think, number one, that we have fully in craft, uh, intact crafts, number one. Number two, it could be how you have Bob Lazar coming out here talking about element 115, which the Soviets are like, we will never get this. They, they have a little brick of it. We can never get it. Therefore, we can't develop the technology. So there also is also kind of like a play um, – you know, not to disinform the, the U.S. population, so to speak, but to, you know, as a counterintelligence um, active measure to protect potential development of technology. Um, so you have the, like several there's several different layers of, of national security implications to crash retrievals. Um, and again, maybe say for the United States government, I'm in the U.S., it's in our best interest that those measures have been taken. All right. That's a, that sounds good. No. Uh, before we continue, go ahead, okay. Nathan. No, I was going to say that. I don't, let's let's get the responses, then we'll bring on our, our additional guests. So let's go to to Dan, um, and then we'll. Okay. Unless you want to, because we got a good flow here, so I want to. Okay. Want to get Dan's thoughts on it, or I'm sorry, Andy's thoughts. Andy would be next. So. Oh, okay. Um, I again, it's sort of carrying on James the crash retrieval uh stuff, and I get as well what what DJ is saying, but I suppose take it from. A point of view of someone who's not inside the US and can look at a point of view that you, you want it to be as secure as you think it is and it's a, it's a nice thought that you know because you went through what you went through that it would be so 
so difficult for someone else to get in there. But who, whoever made the point just before about uh, Werner von Braun, okay, so there was a bunch of Nazis that you gave security clearances to, you know. So let's, I suppose that kind of stops that argument dead that it's hard to get a security clearance unless you're born in the US because they literally gave them to the people that they brought them over. I mean, that, right. so, so yeah. Uh, and again, there's also that you don't know. Like, again, the Bob Lazar stuff, like, he's managed to get this element. And it sounds like from the Bob Lazar story, correct me, please, anyone, if I'm wrong, but he's managed to get something so super secret out of the lab. How, again, if this is the place, you know, if this is the place on Earth, DJ, how has a scientist like Bob Lazar managed to sneak something out and then hide it this whole time from from all those people who apparently are looking after it? So I, I can see that, yeah, people could get in there. I don't see any good reason why they wouldn't have moved it again since the 40s because I'm sure they've got bigger and better places and money talks at all levels as well. So for mm-hmm. me, yeah, I'm, I don't see any reason why this stuff couldn't be all over the country with various different organisations as well. Uh, and like Lou said before, I do think they've got a full craft, but of what, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean they've got something alien. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. Right, Dan. You're out of time, Andy. You're out. <laughs> Dan's on now, mate. So, so I'm not a big believer that we have a full craft for the sheer fact that we're staring at a bunch of bismuth and magnesium layers and drooling over them. So it's mm-hmm. hard for me to believe we got a whole craft if that's where our focus is. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think we would see the craft or a, a recognizable part of a vehicle of any sort. I think we would see evidence of the technology that was gleaned from studying it. And that's where Philip Corso comes in with his claims that they back engineered some aspects of the technology that were found in the 47 crash. And, but, but I also have a lot of doubts about that because there's, there's usually a backlog, a a history associated with each of those technologies that comes out that can be traced back. So to me, there, there, that would be the evidence. That would be the proof where we took a gigantic Tesla-like leap um, forward in, in our technology and in our society. That would be, without a doubt, that came from somewhere else. We don't know how. We didn't know about it until it was here. We had a cell phone drop in Victorian times. Mm-hmm. So, to me, without that, the evidence of the technology being trickled in that is without a shadow of a doubt, not backed by his historical research and development human effort. I'm, I got a hard time believing we figured any of it out. We might've recovered some, but we haven't figured any of it out. Mm. DJ. Um, you, I am not a Luis Elizondo. I'm not a Chris Mellon. I'm not, uh, one of these guys that's been at the highest levels of government. The only reason that you want to have me on your show, if at all, if ever, is because I know aviation and I know how the government works. I have been both a contractor to the government and now I work for the government as an employee like Lou did. So I know how, how the government thinks, how it acts, what it is likely to do, likely, notice I use the word likely, in given situations. And that's how I come to this hypothesis, by working on the inside and the outside on both. And I know how they, what we trust contractors with and when contractors are asked to leave the room, because I was that contractor that might have to leave the room, even though I represented the government, believe it or not, as a contractor. But anyway, all that said, that's how I come to the c- conclusion about the safe places that you would keep this material. 
and you could bring any number of scientists in. Werner, von, uh, Werner von Braun was brought in for a very specific purpose because he had a specific knowledge. But you don't just go and bring any citizen in and go, oh, we're going to give this person a clearance unless they have an extremely special skill set that we want to leverage against the technology we're trying to acquire. Then we might issue them a clearance. And uh, by the way, they're watched very, very, very closely. Hmm. Luis? Um, okay, so... Okay, so uh, the first thing I'd say to the crash retrievals is like, how many crash retrievals are there? Like, and and why oh. are they crashing so much? <laughs> like, you know, like if the, if, if if it's tech that can can traverse time and space and and makes vast distances possible, maybe in a blink of an eye, why do they crash so much? Um, that would be, I, I can understand one, two, maybe three, you know, but like anything past that's like, okay, they, well, this is just dangerous. Like this technology, <laughs> it could reveal a, a whole multitude of things to a species that we may not want to interact with on that kind of level. Mm. Um, so if they're crashing here on earth, my question is like, why so many times, but I will ask you real quick, uh, DJ, just to back up kind of what Andy's saying. There are spies, right? Yes, but not okay, that so, are issued a clearance. Okay, but <laughs> then then there won't be any spies if they couldn't get into a clearance on some level. They're like, Americans, though. That have been... uh, maybe they are, or maybe they appear to be. Um, and I think there's sophisticated ways to sort of circumvent those things, because if there wasn't, we wouldn't have this issue. There wouldn't be this this uh, 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 movement against spies. And also, um, I just real quick, I wanted to mm -hmm. say uh, hacking as well. Like mm -hmm. there's there's spies in a digital sense. So to say that nobody knows what's going on in Area 51, I think, is a little naive. I have no. I I agree with you uh, about there are spies. I'm just saying if you're asking for my opinion, and I'm I'm giving it to you based on my experience. Right. Gary McKinnon yeah. hacked. Gary McKinnon hacked NASA. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is I mean, James's the, time, right? Well, this is James, right? Well, he introduced the. Or he I guess oh, fielded the topic. Okay. So he, then, he right, we got to bring in. We got to bring our special guest. Yeah. Well, uh, let me respond on this for, for oh, the last sorry, minute Nathan, here. Then it's cool. No, that's cool. And so I, I to back up your point, I think that the security apparatus is in place, right? So you you leverage what you've already got in place where you can. That being said, sometimes good security is sort of going the other direction. So you, you could have a facility that doesn't look look secure, but it, it in fact really is secure. It could, it could appear to be, uh, you know, totally open, but there may be sub levels to it or whatnot that are actually very very tightly controlled. Uh, the, the private contractor access, you know, is to me very you know curious because private contractors come and go, uh, and if you're a private employee and a private citizen, you know, you you come and go, you change careers, and even if you sign an NDA, you're gonna you, you know at some point you may jump ship to a different competitor. Uh, what if that competitor isn't read into uh, the program, so to speak? So then do you, you just totally compartmentalize that knowledge and not let it influence the work that you do for your for the competitor that you now work for? There are a lot of variables to this that it seems like the complexity of it is such that uh, if, if we really did have some of this stuff, I, I guess I'm saying we probably would know about it right now. And Nathan, you have more time because I talked over some. No, that's cool. I, I'm good yeah. with that. So why don't we bring on? Uh, why don't we bring on our backstage person? So I'll let you. Let me take this off screen, and I'll let you introduce.
our new guest who's on mute. I'm unmuting you, Ashley. Hi. All right. Hi, welcome. You. Hello. All right. All right. This is our spec. Oh, we can't see you. I know. I don't know why. We cannot see you. See if you can uh, re-engage. Uh-oh. There we go. We got an avatar. No? Yep. We can hear you. We just can't see you. My camera's on. All right. It's okay. Oh. We can hear you. Yeah. If you want to go out and come back in, I think Luis usually troubleshoots. Luis, please take over the troubleshooting. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, check what camera input your, your camera's on. And if, if it's on the right one, then yeah, I would say try back out and come back in. Let's call Melinda Leslie real quick and see what she would recommend. Hey, while she's doing that, I, I want to follow up on Lou. Hey, Lou, the yeah. aircraft carriers travel the vast distances of the ocean but it's usually the jets and aircrafts that do the crashing once they get to their destination. Could that be what we're seeing? That's fun. I like it. It's Woo! Uh, again, it's just like, would you send probes on a planet that is hostile that, you know, are incredibly fragile to maybe technologies that they display? Mm. You know, like would a general, would a general of an aircraft carrier do that? Right. Yeah. And if you go to American Cosmic, um, you know, James and Tyler uh, talk about the gifting field. Right. Hmm. And let, let, let's let, let's get to our very special guest. Tell us where you're where you're calling from right now, Ashley. At the moment, I am in West Yorkshire, England. Can I get an amen? Divine Daisy girl, Ashley. Woo! What's up, Ashley? So happy to have you join us. She's going to be on our all women's roundtable where all these faces right here are going to be replaced by women, except for Nate, myself and Nathan's beard. But go ahead, Ashley, you have a question that uh, you wanted to put out there for the group, either one or another, or everybody can take it up if they wish. It's been a very nuts and bolts conversation. I'll say that. Whereas I'm more the other side, a bit more mm. of the woo. Um, I was just wondering, haven't done the research on the UFOs and everything. Where where are you all in terms of physical and non-physical um, being? I know, James, you've done C5, so you have a bit of knowledge on the consciousness. Yeah, James, why, why don't you take that? All right. So, um, you know, physical, non-physical, uh, I don't think is an either or thing. Uh, if you want to say non-physical, um, I, I don't think it's non, it's, there's kind of like non-physical in the sense of, um, there's no physics behind it. I think, you know, again, ultraviolet rays and, and things like that. Uh, technically we as humans cannot perceive that, but we have apparatus that can, that can, that can sense and track and monitor. So, I think that, um, say, if we're going to talk about consciousness and if we're going to talk about um, even ESP, telepathy, um, and these different objects that seem like energy beings or, or have, uh, you know, dis they display things that seem, um, you know, where they disappear and reappear, I think eventually we are going to understand the physics of all that. And I think that all I think everything is going to fit into the realm of physics, whether you consider it as hyperspatial, like um, hyperspatial technologies that are able to interface with dimensions uh, and, and, and therefore consciousness. Um, so, again, I don't see it as an either or question. I don't think any of it is 
per se magic. I think all of it will come within the, the realm of understanding of physics eventually, even if it takes thousands of years. Uh, and I, I think that a tip, you know, was looking at the, their, their consciousness component through things like psychotronics. And we know that that deals with frequencies. Um, so my time's up. Uh, I, I well, guess anyone I'll... else want to take it or, or, or yeah, who wanna... else would like to, yeah. Wanna... Anybody um, want to jump in on that? Louise? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I've been diving into this. I'm still doing research and still learning about a lot of things, especially on the non-physical end of things. Uh, because when you think, I mean, at least from my experience, it was a very, even though it was um, incredible, it still seemed like there was hands behind the craft I was looking at. It seemed like it was very nuts and bolty. Wow. Um, and but you know I've never seen metal glow on anything else. <laughs> like it was just different. Um, but this idea, I love this idea of um, you know everything is vibrating at different tones and speeds and you know like this table is vibrating at a different frequency than what i'm vibrating at and i'm sure there are a lot of things that are vibrating that we just can't see <laughs> um either because we don't have the proper instruments to see them or or the proper mindset um and i don't know you know what it's going to take to sort of break that paradigm to where we can see these things and and the unexplainable eventually starts to become the understandable mm. um but yeah i mean i'll yield my time to anybody else who'd like to add on that well what if we get to the point where we develop ai that can synthesize some of these uh, occurrences that are happening all around us all the time mm -hmm. and can translate those things into things that we can understand. So what if, you know, our, our senses are limited, but what if we can develop sensors that can absorb this, uh, you know, the, these occurrences and then translate them into things that we can, just like you would take a night vision goggle and enhance the, the, the visual spectrum that you can see, or take an infrared camera and enhance the spectrum that you can see. You know, what, what if we can do that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we'd want to do that. <laughs> no, we do. I think we do you want know? to do that. I mean, you know, I, the more the more we talk about this, the more it seems like I, you know, it's almost like what a Tom DeLonge sometimes says and, and mm. a Lou Elizondo hints at is that you'd be somber if you really knew what the hell was going on. Like, sure. I think that this is scary. a lot a lot more complicated and mm. just weird, unpredictable and nothing that we've ever put on the table as far as an explanation. Right. But what's interesting is we're doing this already, right? So right. we're already kind of cybernetic in a way. The phones we all use, the technology we're using right now is mm. taking advantage of stuff that you and I cannot do on our own, just with sure. our own, our body. So we're, 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 on, we're taking these baby steps towards right. Uh, well, but that's the thing, right? They're baby steps. Very it's much not so. a flick of the switch. All There's of a no sudden, mastery. you could yeah. see this thing that's sitting right next to you, and it's <laughs> fucking crazy. Well, exactly. And, you know, and and you don't have the filters to understand it. You yeah. know, and isn't this kind of the taking a million years to get to that filter? Like, Can I just? Is... Yeah, please go ahead. No, Luis, you make a really good point. Most people can't, but you know, experiencers would say otherwise. Right. And that's where, like, I've never had that experience. I've I've had a couple of sightings. Yeah. But for people who say that they see beings literally come through walls or right. I, I know people that say they've seen, like, ghosts at the end of their bed uh, and people that can have that sort of, maybe those individuals have that switch 
or that filter that and some claim to be able to use it. I, I don't know so much about that, but mm. that that potentially you're right is like most of us, if you want to call it humanity, can't do that. And maybe you've just got that small number of people who who do. And that's 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 where that maybe comes in potentially. But yeah. you're right about the switch aspect of it that we're we seem a long, long way away that we still need the tech to allow yeah. us to to do a lot of the stuff we want to do that me and Luis, if we want to have a conversation, we have to do it via phone or over this, as opposed to, yeah. is there a way we could do it like telepathically or, you know, right. I could teleport and be there. Who knows where humanity goes in the future? Right. I mean, Dan, that it was something I was going to bring up before, but you asked, where's the evidence of the tech from crash retrievals? 1952, we started using fiber optic cables in 1958, the computer chip was invented. So there's two of them straight off the bat. So mm. for me, that goes with Luis's baby steps. Yeah, we don't have a full intact craft that we can fly about ourselves, but what we got off the back of it was computer chips and fiber optic cables to to name two things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the, the the reason you know at least that crash. Why did it crash? That's something I've thought about a lot, and it's very human to to think that just because it can travel a great distance or or change dimensions, realities, it makes it infallible. And I still don't see any reason why why couldn't they crash the odd time? Because you're right. They shouldn't mm. be doing it that often, but if you if just give me two more seconds, DJ, sorry. Yes, sir. I would think if you go back to, to when people first started sailing across the oceans and you could show someone a sailboat, and no doubt they crashed all the time. There were shipwrecks, they blew over in the wind, they fought each other, they fell apart. And if you showed someone now the aircraft we have and the Tesla cars we have, they would be like, Wow, these things must be incredible, the things they can do. Yeah, they still crash hundreds of thousands of times a day. Aircraft still go missing. Jet engines still blow up. Geese fly into stuff. Mm-hmm, and they yeah. would be like, surely not. It would be so hard for them to understand that they would still be so imperfect. And I just yeah. wonder, is it human to think that another race or species or race of beings wouldn't have that same problem, if we want to call it that, as a, as a potential theory? Well, the first thing that pops in my brain is a Native American on the beaches of the eastern seaboard getting a log from a shipwreck yeah. and going, oh, no, we have a problem. You yeah. know, like, yeah. like how, do you, how do you take a log back to the yeah. tribe and go, look at this. This is unusual. This shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think something's coming and everybody's going, yeah, all right, all right, whatever. But, yeah. That's, that's a great a, point. That's a Dan, great did point. You, yeah, I was going to get Dan in. I had something. I actually forgot what it was then. But So go ahead, Dan, please. Yeah, your, I'll, your I'll say uh, I guess it depends on if you're a fan of Star Wars or Star Trek because everything works in Star Trek, nothing works in Star Wars. So that might explain some of the So, But back to the consciousness connection. I'm an engineer. Nuts and bolts are my thing. That's what brought me into this topic. That's what I like to obsess about. But listening to Grant Cameron talk has kind of opened up my aperture and made me start to consider some additional things. And with Lou Elizondo talking about a link between quantum uh, physics and consciousness is another layer altogether. So when I, when I, when I talk, Andy, when I think about computers, the most important part of a computer is the smallest part, the microchip. Mm-hmm. When I think about our physical being, the most important part of our physical being is our DNA. The smaller you go, the more important the building blocks are to the final product. Mm. So so I feel like we're on the cusp of starting to drill down into the quantum realm, which is going to allow us to manipulate things in a way that are going to seem like magic to us now. Mm -hmm. But after we figure it out, maybe it won't feel that way. 
maybe it will allow us to modulate time uh, forward and backwards slightly, which would allow us to vanish into thin air it, from the perception of someone that can't do that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my, and potentially the only way to actually interact with the source code quantum is maybe it's consciousness. Maybe that's how we interface with the quantum levels of our world and our reality. Okay, guys, uh, I just want to, I wanted to, we got an outro, uh, Ashley, I just want to ask people to uh, uh, follow and communicate with the divine. uh, Is it at divine Daisy girl? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Okay. Uh, Say, say your, give us your, uh, give us your social (laughs) media, Ashley. We want to hear you. It's at divine Daisy girl. It's literally just random. It's my dog's name. And I just wanted a random name on there. That's what it is. She's well, divine and she's called Daisy. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. We're gonna we're gonna let you go and we're gonna let Andy go. But before we let Andy go, I just want to say to you, uh, you're really part of our initiative to not only bring uh, female voices uh, to this, uh, but also to bring people who aren't known, who aren't content creators, don't have a podcast or YouTube but have interesting thoughts and questions. And I think you demonstrated that here tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing a great question to the group. Namaste. Thank you. Yeah, for thanks, having me. All right. We'll see. And you thank around. you, Andy. Thanks. Andy, okay. great to have you with us as well. And, yeah. Andy, uh, the, uh, also, you know, I want to say on, on air here, congratulations to uh, UCR, Luis, Michael, rather Andy, Dan for being on KGRA. We really appreciate your time, Andy. We had a good uh, we had a good one today and uh, we'll continue. And um, it really is an honor to be able to uh, talk with you as much as I do. No, thank you. I, I could have gone hours and, and just a little. I think KGRA are also lucky to have Luis's show and, and my show Absolutely. as well. So, uh, yeah, not to be big headed, but, you know, it's it, the community has made them what they are. And those guys do a really great job over there as well. So uh, all, all the crew knows a lot of work goes into them. So, so yeah, but I know it's good to be on those. And listen, it's, it's great to be on this as well with you guys and, and seeing Nathan kind of taking off and doing his thing from some of the listener call-ins to this is brilliant as well. So I wish I could have stayed on longer. And uh, Luis, I enjoyed okay. the, the chats as well on the crash retrieval stuff. And the yeah, man, I could fun. have done that for hours. We'll need to do it one night on the, when I've got more time. Let's do go. it anytime. I Wonderful. hope you enjoy, you guys enjoyed the format and we'll, we'll do it again. Right. Yeah. Yep. Cheers, Cheers, folks. Andy. Enjoy the rest of the show. Later, Cheers, Andy. Andy. Yeah. See ya. Bye, Ashley. Bye. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Um, so I think the only person left to give a topic is Nathan. I think it's me. Yeah, okay. it's me. Yes, sir. Please. All righty. Here we go. Uh, let me start, start the timer on myself here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the timer control guy. All right. So uh, I could go on this either way with this, but the phenomenon doesn't care about human affairs. Its interest in our nukes is not of our, uh, out of concern for us, but rather for itself. If it has influenced the world's religions, as Tom DeLong has stated, it has not done so purposefully, but rather it has simply let us do the work ourselves because humans are meaning-making biological machines. We use the, lang- the technology of language to tell simple stories in order to make sense of a complex world. Our best storytellers end up becoming priests and politicians, and throughout history, we have grappled with phenomenal experiences and crafted entire worldviews in an attempt to control them. As such, if the phenomenon reveals itself to humanity on a mass scale, we should all be very wary because for so long it has purposefully been evasive. If it comes out on the world stage, it is doing so on its own terms. 
Therefore, we must decide how it can be trusted. If we are not careful, we will run the risk of locking ourselves up in a prison of our own design. And if we are lucky, the phenomenon will not be a singular intelligence. Any additional intelligent party will allow humanity to better judge what is really going on. Regardless, we must accept that we are operating at an asymmetrical disadvantage. And I hope I'm wrong. How can we trust the phenomenon? Mm. Wow. I just want to say before anybody talks that you guys, if you wonder why Nathan's my co-host, because he has brilliant thoughts like that. Please go ahead, Dan. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I will personally ever be able to 100% trust them. Um, I think it would end up being um, what does the mass of the population lean towards? We're more or less, uh, we, we live in a democracy. We call it that still. It's mob rule. It seems like more and more every day. Uh, but that's going to be kind of where the wind blows when it comes to to trusting this thing or not. There's going to be people that are all on board and there's going to be people that never are going to give it a chance. So we're going to see just like every other aspect of humanity, there's always going to be a spectrum of responses. Um, do I think that we're ever going to across the board trust it? No, I, I don't see that happening at all. And I wanted. I want to yield my time to Exo Academian because he is the guy. <laughs> yes. that I just listened to his podcast about this very thing. So That's it's right. like he's the guy of all of us that should be talking about this the most. Yep. Uh, but other than that, I, I personally, um, until I feel like what you guys have said before, um, until you have your experience and it touches you, and you become a instead of a believer, you become a knower then you're just speculating on what your response is going to be. So I can say all day that I'm not going to trust them. But if I have a Chris Bledsoe type experience, there's going to be a big chance that I'm going to be like, look, she's been here since the Egyptian times and mm -hmm. everything has gone great. Let's see. Let's just, let's give her a chance. So it's, it's going to vary from just like everything else in life. Nice. Uh, DJ. Yes, sir. Uh, I just want to say the one thing that I wanted to bring out and I just wasn't able to get in there that's interesting is the people who have had the two most prodigious, most interesting experience was Luis and Andy. And it's ironic. They have these mm. two giant shows in our community and mm. both of them have had an experience that's very up close, very personal and was not just a five second or two second thing like I had. Mm. So I find that very interesting, Luis. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you and Andy both. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, uh, I, I have to agree with what you said. I find that just like if this if, if the way we should approach UFOs is, is uh, we could use the life as a metaphor that being somewhere in the middle, being somewhere in that gray, uh, we're accepting we're open to what might happen and what we might be able to glean from them. But as Dan said, I'm not going to necessarily fully trust them. I think uh, that can put you in a dangerous situation. Uh, and so I think that's where I would, I would line up is I would be somewhere in the middle on that. And, and I would be able to say that, okay, uh, I'm open to mm -hmm. communication and see, uh, what you, what can you prove to us? We're intelligent beings as well. We mm -hmm. can ascertain whether or not we're being taken advantage of in some way. And then at the same time, we also need to, uh, restrict what, what we give them access to. Mm -hmm. Got it, James. Yeah, actually, I did a video on this on my on the Engaging the Phenomenon channel called um, The Phenomenon is Accountable. And uh, what I mean by that is that the phenomenon is accountable 
in, in a sense for our perception of it. And, you know, because it's obviously advanced, um, you know, it, we, we shouldn't be putting ourselves in a situation where we even need to trust the phenomenon. We, mm. I mean, we just shouldn't put ourselves in that position. Um, it, there's no reason to. And again, if, if the phenomenon, you know, let's, you know, whether singular or plural, you know, if we're talking about different intelligences and phenomena, you know, we have to consider, um, you know, do they have different kind of agendas, so to speak? And um, I think that, uh, you know, our relationship with that has to be, um, you know, built on communication and experience. And that's something that's going to take time. Um, I think it's, you know, I'm open to the idea of contact. That's why I um, am into the CE5 and everything. And even Uh oh, we lost James. We'll get him back his time when he comes back. There he goes. James, go ahead, yep. please continue. Now, I was going to say, even though I've I've had personally positive experiences, I can't, you know, I can't assume that it means that, uh, you know, the phenomenon is, um, you know, overtly uh, positive towards humanity altogether. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. You know, there's it's it's a question, and yeah, you know, and again, we shouldn't try to just come to conclusions based on such limited information and experience that we have all together yeah we can't presume to know right right Luis? um <clears throat> well i could it seems like whatever the phenomena is it has a huge ego <laughs> huge <laughs> ego and that kind of worries me you know it's like this yeah. idea that it it doesn't care what you think um my biggest fear is that it's just a reflection of us it, it mm. is there's just as many opinions there are just many hard heads there's just as many uh staunch believers there's just as much chaos and conflict that would be my biggest fear mm. and that we're sort of being engaged by all of these things and there is no order there is no permission there is mm. no you get a choice and i think that's terrifying yeah that's terrifying. Um, it's even worse than, you know, this idea we're fish in an ocean. And when we get caught and thrown back, like, do we go back and talk to the other fish about it? Like, it's even worse than that. It's like, you don't get a choice. You're in the net and it's going to skin you and mm -hmm. mess with you and throw you back up in some cases as a carcass. It, ah. I don't like again, like, I don't know if we want to know. I, I mm. think it's almost like, you know, do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill and the, and, or do you just, you know, just eat your steak and drink your wine and, mm -hmm. and love your family and just, just stick to that. You know, that would be my biggest fear. <laughs> right. I think um. we all do want to know because that's why we've engaged with uh, the phenomenon to use James's moniker. So we all yeah. want to know. We want to know. Otherwise, the people that don't want to know are eating steak. They're having barbecues and like, who cares? There's a bunch of wackos talking about UFOs, and we're <laughs> and we are those wackos. Yeah, but we're not wackos. No, because because as as Lou said, it's not a question of whether or not they're they're here. We now have mm. to figure out why they're here, what they're doing, what they want. But the that we're way as he said, we're way past that. Or so, even like when Michu Kaku says, it's on. It's now on the government to disprove they're real mm, yeah 
I wish I had a recording of of Lou saying Michio Kaku because we could just like do it like the Howard Stern show play it like I love when he says that. (laughs) 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 Michio Kaku. Anyway, all right, closing statements, everybody. Uh, Let's see, Dan, uh, do a one minute closing statement. Uh, I don't know what to talk about except thanks for having me on. It's good to see all these faces again. Nice to meet you for the first time, James and Andy. I know you had to cut out early, but nice to meet you in person. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to everybody's content that they've been producing. So it's it's been a, a fun ride over the last, well, let's call it 2017 and on. <laughs> let's hope for another continuing wild ride going forward and just make sure that we all remain humble when people approach us that are not knowledgeable as we are on this topic that we don't just dismiss them outright because they are not on level with us. Mm-hmm. We need to be the teachers moving forward, the educators moving forward as best we can. And I hope that we all understand that this is kind of the, uh, the downer side of this conversation. This is a temporary thing for us. I feel like there are going to be people to pick the torch up that are better mm-hmm that are better looking than us. Let's face it guys, Um, (laughs) as well as better video content creators, more thorough researchers when, Mm -hmm. when the general public catches onto this. So this is Mm -hmm. a moment in time that we're sharing together as a community that will never be repeated again. So I appreciate, I'm glad to be able to share it with you guys and Mm -hmm. the rest of the UFO Twitter community and everybody out there. Uh, So just thank you for having me on. It is our pleasure. James. Yeah, again, Reno, really, uh, thanks for having us on. Thanks for putting together this panel. Thanks for, you know, helping continue the discussion. Um, now, I'd like to say, you know, although I guess you could say humanity is being presented with this, um, you know, question, um, you know, I'm optimistic, but I, I, I like to look at it uh, as an opportunity um, and even as an invitation of sorts. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, this problem um can can be a a great you know obstacle for humanity to overcome together hopefully uh and i I think it you know presents a a tremendous paradigm shift um you know to quote uh christina gomez from shifting the paradigm uh you know in in so many different ways and so many different facets and in ways that we can't even um technically perceive currently and it's almost like the the next phase of humanity. So, you know, I like to uh, acknowledge and honor and appreciate, uh, you know, everybody who's um, in a sense put their neck out there uh, talking about the subject and researching and, and, and sharing, um, you know, what they think to be valid, true information and, uh, you know, carrying the torch. So thank you, everybody. Thank nice. you, James. Luis. I just <clears throat> thank you for having me. It was fun. <laughs> Thanks for joining. It was it was a real blast, man. I mean, yeah, those guys said it best. Um, I've got really nothing past that to articulate other than thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, an important conversation, and I'm glad that we're having it, and we need to do more of it, right? It, mm-hmm. We kind of tend to look at this format, I think. In, through the lens of sort of marketing or entertainment. But in truth, and particularly in the day, in today's day, uh, it, this is a format that allows us to connect. And connection is where we're going to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, community is where we're going to solve this problem. Um, I was listening today to uh, the uh, 
the Lex Fritman podcast with the RZA. It was really interesting. I highly recommend it. If you like that podcast, check out that episode. But one thing that came to mind listening to that amazing artist is that art is really this kind of it, it's an it's an it's an alchemy. You know, art is taking uh, the things that we know about our world and it's refashioning them in ways that are very personal, that uh, lead to you know, sort of beliefs and ideas and, and change the trajectory of our civilization. And that's kind of what we are doing with the with the crumbs that we have from the, the phenomenon. Um, and, you know, is that is that guided or not? I don't know. And maybe that's not the point. The point is that we still have to figure out how we're going to do this together. And uh, I think we need to not lose sight of that as we interact with each other, either on forums like this or on UFO Twitter. But so grateful to have all of you guys on and, and let's keep keep doing this. Right on. Uh, yeah, so that, now you guys can clearly see why Nathan's my co-host. <laughs> Good co-host, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean, he's just so—he's just so smart. I love it. He's everything I'm not. Um, so, so, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, uh, you guys know I, I have a very small contribution to make in the community. I don't have a lot of areas where I can offer something other than to just have a forum for discussion, whether that's here or on Twitter Spaces. Um, my, my, my area of expertise is like that. As I've told Nathan, it's like that cheesecake and the healthy person at the party goes up and takes the smallest sliver and puts it on their plate. And you're like, Oh, wow. That's like a quarter of an inch thick. That's kind of like my, what I can contribute, uh, as, with any degree of expertise at all. The rest of it, I'm just listening. I'm learning from people who are intelligent in, in these many other facets of the phenomenon. And uh, it is wonderful to be able to connect with all of you on different mediums that, that we communicate on. And I communicate with you on different mediums, but uh, the fact that I'm able to do that so I can get ideas, throw out some ideas, have them thrown back at me, have me rethink those ideas and get a greater understanding of, of what we're dealing with. And only, as Nathan said, together is how we're going to all figure this out. Nobody's going to be the singular whole that's going to figure that out. Um, I also wanted to just ask you quickly before I say goodbye, what did you think of the timed format? <laughs> it was cool. Oh, that was kind of fun. I mean, I, I wish I could make it a little smaller, like a tiny timer, tinier timer. Um, the way share content works, it kind of prevented me from doing that. But oh. I, I thought it was kind of nice, kept it a little, little snappy, you know? Yeah. I think we tend to hone in on one particular topic and it seems like it was crash retrievals this time. So it, it, it almost seems like it should be a little, uh, instead of random, a little bit more focused just mm -hmm. to, yeah. just to get everybody prepared. Cause I think we all have a lot to say about this, but That's I, like, a great point. I like the short, concise responses format. Mm -hmm. James, uh, we're, we're taking crash retrieval for action in, for crash retrieval week in response to your request. Uh, and obviously that was the hot button topic, but it wasn't the only topic. But what did you think of the timed format? Um, it was it was good. Um, I, I do better off a timed thing like that just personally. Uh, but that's just my my own nature. I'm kind of just sporadic. So uh, any any conditions like that personally for me are restricting to to how uh, I interact personally. That's just well, my own. You've Makes been sense. invited on for you could have an hour and a half of just saying James Dine Dolly. We put that out to you, right? Yeah, so, I I, okay. I tried, right? I'm here. <laughs> I know, but I meant but we to do your own exact absolutely James Dine Dolly yeah. for an hour and a half, and he can talk for the entire hour and a half. But 
what the, what this was born from is I think Louis saw when when Andy was on with Danny Sheehan, he talked for like uh, most of their time. So I was like, oh, let's make a timer so that way nobody can do that. Uh, yeah, can yeah. Filibuster. Well, no, the same thing happened to me with uh, Stephen Bassett on the first uh, Big Phone Home, right? <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. wrecked me, yeah, which, which is yeah. cool. I, he, you know, he has better things to say. Um, but uh, every, uh, I, I'm just saying I, I like it personally. Like as a viewer, I like it. But for me, the way I operate, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be more like off the cuff. So like, that's, I mean, again, that's just me. I'm like in a quantum yeah, realm well, over here. Yeah. Well, you're, you're such a, I mean, when you're, when you're spreading uh, the thoughts of the research and the, and the stuff that you've read and the people that you've worked with, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a much bigger plane than a Cessna. You know, mm-hmm. this is like a C-130 trying to land and you need to give them the room to to tell the story and give you the context. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is more, you know, just like make your point. You got a counterpoint. You got something to add. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's quick. It's movie. It's it's just different. Uh, but uh, James, you got to come on the show this week so we could we could pump up. Uh, uh, Crash Retrieval. Uh, Crash Retrieval. Yes. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm th- I was just thinking like, uh, yeah, we definitely got to do one with Andy, man. He mm-hmm. he's like he's there, man. I love the ideas he's talking about. Oh yeah, um, yeah. and I know I said Melinda Leslie is is down for Crash Retrieval Week. Oh, I was trying to get sure. I was trying to get in t- contact with Don Smith, um, who was huge on the Roswell case. Uh, mm-hmm. Although there's obviously some controversy there. Uh, Richard Dolan is in. Ross Coulter is in. Nice. Uh, UFO Jesus is in. Nice. Uh, Danny Silva, Joe Mercia. Um, and I know, uh, oh, Sean Roush, uh, witness citizen, uh, Vinny Adams at disclosure team. Um, and I, I believe, uh, Priscilla quantum, Witch and Artemis prime, I think they're all into, uh, so there's a lot, oh man, there's, there's so much, you know, that can go on within that realm. Yeah. Fun week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, cool. I, I, uh, I, like I said, uh, our invitations out there, uh, Nathan and I have said it, uh, on text. We'll say it right here live. We would love to have you on. For an hour and a half to just all of go you. Through. Well, yeah, all of you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Dan's been invited on a number of times. Luis has been on twice. Dan's yep. been on once or twice. Twice and and uh, twice and and James, we would love to have you on. Um, and that's an, that's an open invitation, but I just want to make sure you know you're invited. Yeah, sure. I like to have all you guys on my channel too. Man. Uh, <laughs> all right, bro. You know, and awesome. uh, especially Dan. I this is the first time I'm speaking to Dan. I really yeah. love how he presents and articulates information like he says mm-hmm. it in a way where i'm like that's solid so oh, yeah. i really appreciate that that's yeah, the intention just, clear concise to the point and easy to absorb that's, it. that's my goal inside baseball dan was riding in the car with me uh we were coming we went to the airbase uh we went and looked around the airbase we went shopping a little bit we went and had lunch and he said, man, I, I don't know if I should be in there with these heavyweights like James Iandoli and, <laughs> and Andy. And I said, you 100% belong in, in this conversation with anybody in the UFO community, period. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. belong. This conversation doesn't belong to anybody. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah, unless, right. you're, unless you're yeah. Dr. Stephen Greer. Then you own it. Then you own it. All right, guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, but on behalf of my co-host, Nathan, I'm DJ San Marco for uh, calling all beings, saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road. Peace. Peace. Take care, guys.